0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Hometown Heroes Podcast with your host, Thomas Fallon. Today, we have Luke Wallet on the show today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me, Thomas.
0: Talk about growing up in the Mahoney Valley, going to Poland. You know, what that did for you and, you know, what life lessons it taught you.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you what, growing up in, in Mahoning County and in Northeast Ohio, Um, you know, first of all, it teaches you about family and about respect and and about community. We, we take for granted the community that we have, you know, I live in Florida now and there just isn't the pride that comes with, you know, the different cities that we grow up with and, you know, that hometown Youngstown pride. So uh, a sense of community, a sense of respect, uh, a work ethic, um, a lot of blue collar people where we're from. in in Northeast Ohio. And so I think a lot of those things would, would later on really, really help me out. Um, as I've gotten older and, and, and wiser, but, um, and, and also faith, you know, Northeast Ohio is a, is a big area of faith. We have, um, you know, we're a melting pot, so we have a, a lot of different walks of life, but, um, you know, a common denominator in our faith in God. So, um, Growing up in Northeast Ohio is an honor and it's a privilege, and um, you know I take such pride in being from there. I love telling people I'm from there. A lot of people who are from the Midwest are like, oh, you're from you're from the you're from Youngstown area." You know, it's always like the same same a little bit of level of respect, which is which is cool. Um, a lot of a lot of good people have come before us, so um, you know, obviously in sports, Northeast Ohio is notorious for for good football. And, um, so obviously a big part of my life was, was sports growing up.
0: For sure. And in your article, not a St. America's game, which will be in our link. If you haven't seen it, it, I read it. it. It's a great article that any athlete, anyone can read and it's truly inspiring. You mentioned having the pride of your hometown and, and you just talked a little bit about, you know, what your hometown means to you playing football and playing football at Kent State what was that like to play for your state in Ohio and you know playing from high school into college talk about that a little bit
1: yeah yeah it literally meant everything to me and it was kind of like a double-edged sword in my life you know it was such a blessing that I had the opportunity to represent myself and my family and my community Um, but I also took it um, to a, an extreme level where, you know, after things didn't work out for me, um, there, there became, you know, and this was all this was all from self pressure. There became guilt and became shame. Um, it felt like I let down the community. Um, and again, that, that wasn't directly from the community that, that put that on me. It was more from myself. Um, so to me, it was a double-edged sword um, having that hometown pride.
0: For sure. You talk about, you know, putting that pressure on yourself, you know, just talking to some of my teammates too. Uh, recently we made the state championship in football this, this past year. And, uh, and we didn't, we came up short and a lot of people, you know, took it to heart. So I feel like a lot of people, when when you're a leader, you put that pressure and you put that, that guilt on yourself in a way. And I saw that you've played with multiple injuries in your life and you, that didn't stop you from doing what you love because you, you, You thought maybe that you were a failure or maybe you're letting down your team and that's something i truly admire about you is that you you didn't give up when you probably could have
1: yeah well thomas i have to tell you you're probably one of the best posts i've ever been on because you've done your homework and i can tell you've read some articles and yeah i mean it it, it, um yeah we we take it's so it's very important to us, and it's very important to our community. And so, um, I got wrapped up in, in all of it. And, and again, it is important, but it's it's not, it's not the end of the world. Um, to me, it was, but um, I think that's part of like the, the part of how we grow up. We're tough people, you know. We grow up in a tough a tough a tough um, a tough area in Northeast Ohio. So, um, it's all about a healthy balance, and that's what I would learn later on down in my life.
0: So I saw that when you played LSU, you know, you had that, you know, you wanted to solidify, you know, your ability to play on the field. Talk about that opportunity and your mindset going into that game. And I know you played Penn State, I think, after that game. Talk about how important those games were to you.
1: Yeah, I had an underdog mentality. I had um, that I, I, I carried a chip on my shoulder everywhere I went. And so when I got to play the big dogs, you know, it was in my mind it was time to show that I belonged. And you know, Kent State being a mid-major school, we really looked forward to those games because we knew there was a national spotlight, we knew that there was a national presence. And again, I wanted to not only represent myself, but but I I loved being from Northeast Ohio and people being able to go on this journey with me. So it was really an exciting time in my life. It was it was it was an honor, probably something I took for granted, um, but it, it was a it was a once in a lifetime opportunity.
0: For sure. Talk about how noticing or like knowing that these medications were like getting in a wrong place or getting to a spot in your head where maybe you didn't feel comfortable. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it it avalanches on you. Uh, I mean, so to preface prefaces for people who don't know my story, I I ended up having a lot of addiction issues in my life. And I think it's important for people to know that, you know, I drank one time in high school. I barely drank in college. You know, after all this stuff came out, my teammates in college were like a little surprised. Um, I was voted team captain. I won the conference's leadership award. Um, So, and I, and I was also very ignorant to, to how addiction Addiction works in emotional pain. I think one of the downfalls about about being a football player, or being like pretty masculine, is that we don't talk about our problems. So, I I had you know I, I got injured in that LSU game. So, um, I had you know depression about the timing of the injury. I started having anxiety about my NFL future. I started having stress. And I didn't know what any of these things were. So I just knew I was sleeping longer. My heart was beating faster. You know, my hair is thin. I'm just like, I'm going through it. Um, and at, you know, some point before that, I was introduced to pain medication. So I started taking it from my knee, but I would find out that the pain medication actually works better for the emotional pain. And... As I'm still going through all this stuff, the only thing that I know how that's numbing that is this pain medication. And so it's just like anything in life, you know, people will just jump to being a heroin addict or an alcoholic, a full-blown alcoholic. You know, it starts with very innocent decisions toppled with some emotional trauma. And then in addiction, we talk about a progression. So... You know, the following week after the LSU game, I was able I took two Percocets and played the game, had 15 tackles. And then, you know, the following week, it was Monday to get through the week of practice and I took them before the game. Then it became Monday, Wednesday, Friday, then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then it became to wake up to go to sleep to see my girlfriend. And so it's not like I just walked to the top of the mountain to to heroin. Um, it was just these slow little baby steps of of really, at first, innocent decisions. I think decisions a lot of people make, young people, stupid young people make. Um, but nonetheless, if you're not in the right emotional state of mind, these things can really just grab a hold of you. And by the time the progression for me, my senior night, a night that I was supposed to honor and respect my hardworking parents for being able to, to grow up in a great community and they made sacrifices they made. That was the first night I tried heroin because my drug dealer told me he didn't have any pain pills left. And I was so emotionally beat up that I felt like I needed something just to be enough at that point. So at that point, Pandora's box opened and, um, you know, I was pretty much fully blown in addiction with pain pills and heroin by the end of my senior senior year. And it really happened fast, you know? This wasn't even a consideration a year or two before. And again, I have no idea what depression, anxiety, stress even looks like, because I had a really good life growing up.
0: So what was that like moment where you said, or realized, or was there someone that helped you see like, okay, this has to stop, or this has to, have to try to get better. What was that for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a few years of pain and misery, and. Um, I had this mentality as like a man and as a tough football player you know you, you, you actually you referenced it earlier they wrote an article on me in college that it was like you know I never missed a game I never missed a practice I played through all these injuries they you know they called me tough as nails and it was like a badge of honor so with my addiction issues I unfortunately took it the same way I was like you know, I got myself into this problem. I have to get myself out. But the problem was my only way out for me was to end my life. And that's where these things took me. I didn't have, I had too much pride to ask for help. Um, you know, I, I kicked this stuff on my couch and then two weeks later I would, I, something would happen and I would go get them again. And then, you know, I would try just drinking and then I would try, you know, just smoking weed and. I was just looking for everything to fill fill some voids inside of myself and to and to get rid of some of the pain i was in and i was looking for an easier softer way and so um really the next three years would would look like a mess it would be losing jobs and um my family just kind of pushing me away completely and um, living out of my car living in in really bad like gross motels and you know just a really really sad story of um, of uh, where this stuff takes us and so I was at the end of my road probably was prepared to end my life in the next week or two and that's when my father drove down from from Youngstown to Cincinnati where I was living and in the Bible there's a story of the prodigal son and he and he goes away and he blows all of his all of the his inheritance and You know, just kind of like the prodigal son in the Bible, my father just told me how much he loved me. He didn't know what was going on, but he just wanted his son back. And um, it was that day that um, I told him that I would accept the help. And I went to a treatment center in Richmond, Virginia, and that's kind of where my journey in recovery started.
0: So talk about now what you do and how you got to the point where now you want to go and tell your story, this inspiring story that, that you're telling.
1: Well, yeah, thank you. You know, it wasn't my intention when I got sober, you know, I, um, it was, I just kind of saw God transform my pain into a purpose and that I realized that there was a greater calling in my life than to play sports. And that, and that the more I was working with people early on in my journey, the more I realized that I connected with them through sports, but for a greater purpose. And for me, that's to lead people to Christ. And that is to help people out of the the um, the journey of um, being addicted, which which you know it, it is a battle for a lot of people. But I've saw sports. I, I got a good. I have a great platform to to use that. And so um, you know, in treatment, um, a therapist she she spoke the word of God to me. She said, "Luke, read the story of Esther in the Bible." I said, "Yes, ma'am." She said, "Esther 4:14. Perhaps you're created for such a time as this." Then I went to a treatment center in Florida, and the first time I went to church in ten years, the guy did an altar call, and and he said the same exact thing to me. He says, "Mr. Luke, perhaps you're created for such a time as this." And it was kind of like that moment where I went on this new faith journey, and this new journey of of getting help for some emotional pain that I had, and, and um, you know, so I spent the next eighteen months just really focused on getting better and and really diving into south florida has a really big recovery community so just getting intertwined in that and then it came to a place where god placed on my heart to write that the article that you referenced not a saint america's game and i really didn't have any expectation with it but i also had like this newfound appreciation for life that i knew there was a ton of other people struggling a lot of young student athletes a lot of i work with I work with middle school, high school, college, professional athletes now, um, that are, that struggle, and I saw that firsthand down here, and I also am blessed to know that there's a way out, and so um, I wrote that with with no expectations, and and really a couple buddies retweeted it that played in the NFL, and it, it kind of spread a little bit, and it's really opened up some cool doors, and so um, I got linked up with a great a great program called Banyan Treatment Center. And we have 15 facilities across the country from California to Florida. And they're all beautiful, beautiful facilities. Um, and so I told my story, work with their Christian program, work with all of our programs, and um, just really watch God open doors, really watch God connect me with people that were struggling, and um, just try to fight this battle alongside people. So now I'm blessed to, to use what was supposed to take me out and end me to a greater purpose because there's a ton of people struggling with this stuff. This pandemic has actually you know, really intensified a lot of things with um, young people, older people, a lot of these addiction things. The last 12 months has been the highest rate of overdose deaths. Um, you know, Young people are dealing with more stress and anxiety and depression than levels ever seen. So I want people to I think transparency in my life has, has helped some other people. And and that's really what my goal was from all of this was to, was to, um, put myself out there so that people can know they're not alone because I know when I was about to end my life, I felt like there was no one that understood me and it just couldn't be further from the truth. And I was about to make a a permanent decision to a temporary problem. and, And that's what I want people to know is that, you know, these things pass, there's a better way, um, you know it's okay to not be okay, um, but but doing something that's going to permanently, you know, alter your life or someone else's life is not the answer. Right.
0: You know, I, like I said, that article, it's really inspiring, and your story is really inspiring. Another a quote that I pulled that from this article that it says, "What evil used to try and kill me, I now use to save others. My test has become God's testimony." That's something that really stuck out to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, it's, it, that's a beautiful, it's, um, you know, it's beautiful when you see God work full circle. And, and I, I truly believe he saved me to, to do this kind of work. And um, I've seen it with countless other people. I, I see it's like the multiplier effect. You know, if we can all just make someone else's life easier and they go make someone else's, Easier, you don't know the full grasp of what we're all capable of, and um, I really believe that God turned my pain into purpose. And um, it's been amazing to see what's open. I could never have dreamed of the life that I have today, Um, and I owe all the credit to God um, for for that. So um, I'm going to continue to give Him the praise and the glory during this journey.
0: Another quote that I want to point out that kind of. I've noticed too in, 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 in our area, especially in Warren, is that for you, you said, football for me was more than a game. You said it was my first drug. With it, I was everything. Without it, I was nothing. I had to have it in my life, regardless of the physical, emotional, or long-term costs.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, when I, when I tell my story, I always tell people my first drug was was, was sports. And, you know, what, what we don't realize is I was the type of athlete that went from football to basketball, to track practice, to baseball practice. And when I was at practice or at a game, nothing else mattered. Um, I didn't have any problems at home. You know, my girlfriend, nothing. I didn't think about anything else. And later on in life, because I never really worked through those things. When sports went away, those things all really came to the surface in my life. And, um, you know, that's why like I never got in trouble with drinking or drugs early because sports were so important to me. Um, so it really was my first drug. Later on, drugs would give me that same feeling, you know, that same relief that sports once gave me. So, yeah, it really is my first drug. It was my first drug. And now life is about moderation.
0: Talk about what, you know, Christ has done for you and how you try to use Christ to influence others.
1: Yeah, I mean... I'm nothing without Jesus, Jesus. um, He saved my life and um, I'm in forever debt, you know, um, to him. It doesn't mean that I'm a perfect Christian by any means. I fall short daily and and, um, I'm constantly repenting. Um, But I think what people a lot of times with Jesus is he wants a relationship with you. It's, It's not necessarily about religion. And so my story I tried everything. I tried everything. I tried sports, gambling, women, money to fill that god God shaped hole in my heart. And I remember like two days after I was saved, um, I was dead broke down here in Florida, driving to a fifteen maybe like like a twelve dollar an hour job and I was like three or four months sober, but I had a relationship with God. And I remember crying on my way to work, just grateful. And I had everything else and I didn't want to live anymore. And then I had nothing physically and I had God and I found out I had everything that I needed. And so the problem is (laughs) the, the challenge that young people are going to have is the world telling you to chase this or that. This is where happiness lies and it's all a big lie. The the truth is, God alone is enough, and once you have that relationship, everything else in your life life changes drastically. And so, um, I've seen God continue to work in my life over the last four years of being sober, and um, making me a better man. And and um, you know, again, I'm nothing without without the blood of Jesus.
0: Talk about what advice would you give to student athletes, maybe could be in a situation like yours?
1: Yeah, yeah. I would say, I would say enjoy them. You know, it's a great, great sense of community. I would say get to know yourself. Um, I think one of the biggest things for young athletes is to make sure that you're in a community of, of, good, of good friends. You know, one, one quote I love is they, they said, show me your five best friends and I'll show you who you are. And it couldn't be, you know, uh, more of the truth. We tend to attract what we put out. You know, now I have a bunch of God fearing, you know, beautiful men around me, um, that are always trying to lift me up. So, um, I would say, get around good friends, um, get to know yourself and, um, and just, just keep exploring other options outside of sports because eventually sports is going to end and you're going to have to identify as something other than an athlete. Mm.
0: You know, would you say that, you know, for your circumstance, I know now with COVID that college athletes, like they can't, they can have another year of eligibility. But for you, you were fighting for and that, for that NFL spot, you know, fighting for your career. Do you think that there should be something else for athletes that maybe that get hurt i know like red shirt wasn't capable for you you think that there should be another source for athletes you know that maybe get hurt
1: that's a great question i i think that there should be a lot of different things and the mid-american conference has actually i actually got invited to speak at their summit their mental health summit two years ago and tried to implement some things there um unfortunately it's there isn't a huge focus on player mental health Um, I wish I could say it was different you know it it's a business and it's a cruel business and I love everyone at Kent State you know regardless of all the stuff that happened to me um, a lot of it they didn't they couldn't control but um, yeah there should be you know more wellness checks you know uh, um, counselors mandatory counseling Um, you know, we treat physical pain with physical therapy, but we don't do anything for mental pain or emotional pain. And that's always been my big thing is is making that mandatory for student athletes. But, um, you know, yeah, I think the NCAA should do a lot of things (laughs) differently. but unfortunately I'm not in the position yet to make make that change.
0: At this program that you do, what do you guys do there? What do you specialize in?
1: That's a great question. So, it de- it depends on the on the program. So we have 15 programs around the country, and we see people all through the different treatment phases. So we do what's called detoxification, which is kind of self-explanatory, where we take people physically off of the drugs. Then they step into a residential program, and a mental health, or and a what's called a partial hospitalization program, which is where like you get one-on-one therapy, you get you get groups, different therapeutic groups, you get different outside activities. Um, the reason I started at Banyan three years ago, um, one of our first programs, before we were 15 programs, we were four programs, and that's when I started. One of our programs is a Christian program, so it's a Christ-centered, biblically-based program. We, our patients actually get baptized in the ocean um, if, they, if they choose to at the end of the program. Um, Christian counselors Um, it's really it's one of the only ones in the country which is which is great to represent Um, so those tend to be like after the detox which is a couple weeks that tends to be like you know 30 to 45 days and then we do what's called intensive outpatient so that's where like you live at our housing you come to clinical which is like groups in one-on-one therapy for three hours a day and then you kind of get back into normal living and we've seen the best success with people that complete all levels of care so you know really the journey of recovery is a journey of relearning how to to live in a normal life again because um, a lot of us have traveled down a dark rabbit hole and you become like emotionally frozen when you start using drugs and so like i might have got sober at the age of 25 but i was really probably emotionally like an 18 year old um, so really just teaching people how to handle life on life's terms and so yeah our programs we got them in Florida, California, Massachusetts, Texas, Illinois, Pennsylvania, so we're all over the place.
0: Wow that that's great that you guys have expanded too and your mission is something that's really good. Ever a time that you like thought about doing it again. How hard is it to fight those thoughts off of not being able to take this or that? You know, how hard is that?
1: Yeah, it's a whole it's a whole new life. You know, I I don't drink. I, you know, I know some people always ask me, you know, like, you know, do you drink still? A, I'm a complete abstinence. Um, so yeah, I mean, life is super hard. It's super hard for me. It's super hard for everybody. <laughs> and some people it's harder for than others um and everything tells us to reach for this or this cure is that so i don't know if i could have handled it without god because like he that's my medicine like i have to take things to god i have to keep things in perspective and he i always say like an eternal perspective on on situations um it can be difficult but i can tell you it's a lot easier than what my life was like and you know when i was in addiction the people in addiction we can't we lose impulse control so like we have a thought we can't read to the end of the story about what happens but like now that i'm in this place in my recovery if i get a thought now i'm like if i choose to drink or to pick up a drug i'm probably gonna be homeless in two years or dead you know especially with all the fake stuff i just had a buddy a good friend that just died in warren you know four or five months ago good good friend of an overdose from a pain pill so um, I can see that, that, that the ending and I don't want any part of it. So um, really God is the, is the shield of my life. And because I've gotten to this, this place, um, I, I have a decision today if I want to, to drink or to drug. And I didn't have that decision before. Before it was like thought in my head, pick it up. Today it's like thought in my head, take it to God. What's gonna happen? And I'm able to relieve that.
0: I'm sorry for your loss too. Thank you. You know, a a thing that really, that you said that got to me is how men are supposed to, this stigma that we're supposed to be strong and our problems are our problems and we're not supposed to share them. We're just supposed to, you know, kind of bury them deep down inside. And I I think that's especially true for athletes too.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, part of my journey in recovery has been relearning what a man looks like. Before it was like what you just described or it was like this respect by, by force. And now it's not. Now it's being okay with crying, you know, being, being open-minded, not being stubborn, you know, recognizing my feelings, listening to my body. I'm dealing with it now, see it. (laughs) Right now I got a swollen knee and I'm just like, I wanna go play sports still and I wanna go running because I'm very active still. But today it's listening to my body, something's wrong Um, and handling things a completely different way. So before it was just like run through a wall, ask questions later. Now it's a little bit more methodical, a little bit more thought out um, and relearning like I said, what it is to be a man
0: Mm -hmm. so last kind of question i have is you know what do you got going on right now you know with covid how has things stopped i know you talked a little bit about how you know depression and numbers like that are rising with covid and you know not being able to socialize and go out and do that talk about you know what you got going on right now
1: yeah yeah so it's been crazy for all of us and um you know what it's done is I was traveling to Ohio once a month to do speaking events and to do all this stuff. And obviously those all got canceled the last, you know, 12 months. But it's really allowed me to work one-on-one with these families a lot more and to focus on, on individuals more than more than groups. So I've really just taken this time to work directly with families and to see them through our treatment program and, and go meet with our patients that are at our Florida facilities. And so it's really helped focus me down. I've I've taken great advantage of this time in my life um, to really be intentional about how I'm using my time. And so I was just going, going, going before, and now I've really taken a step back and spent more time directly one-on-one with the people that are struggling, which I've really enjoyed.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, like I said, your article, Not a Saint, America's Game, there is some really good stuff in that. And uh, I hope everyone goes and checks that out. Um, thank you so much for, you know, coming on. Your story is really inspiring. I think because we are battling, you know, a crisis right now, you know, not only COVID, uh, but you know, the opioid crisis. And I think that what you're doing is truly inspiring. And um, because it's, it's for someone to, you know, play the sport and be, you know, a type of person that you are and athletes, like I said, it's, it's inspiring because, you know, people don't see that a lot. People don't know, you know, sometimes what's going on. And to see that someone like you knew, like you, who was playing the top of their game, playing really good football, can have those problems. And sometimes people don't know about them. And, that's right. you know, to learn about your story, it's been, it's been really good and what you've been doing, it's been something I've been looking at and I'm very happy for you.
1: Well, thank you, Thomas. I'll tell you, it's a first-class podcast, and I'm glad I was able to come on, and I did see your team go to the state championship. I'm always rooting for the locals. The local team's doing well, so very proud of you guys. Hopefully, you guys will be back next year. Uh, But you have a bright future in front of you. 16 years old, killing it on the podcast. Thank you.
0: um,
1: Thanks for having me, my friend.
0: I hope, um, you know, things opening back up, you know, all your programs and Your uh, different locations and stuff keep going and keeping that, uh, you know, Christ message going and inspiring people like you are today.
1: Yes. Thank you, my brother.
0: Thank you. Hope everything goes well. Hope all your family is well. All right, buddy. Best of luck.